Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I'm excited to receive new wisdom to continue my self-growth. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today we are joined by another Rebecca. I hope that doesn't get too confusing. This is a Rebecca who we have actually mentioned on the show probably more than once before if you go back through our archives. She is an absolutely amazing healer based in Sydney who both Jane and I have seen a few times over the years and have also referred some of our Love Life tribe to. So those of you who are listening who've had a session with Rebecca will be jumping up and down and clapping your hands with glee today at what we've got. <laughs> to offer you. Now, Rebecca has been on her journey since about 2003, and she's one of these interesting spiritual sorts, um, not dissimilar to myself in the sense that we both lived very ordinary, sort of shut down suburban lives before we realized that we were so spiritual. And Rebecca is radically spiritual. I would say Rebecca surpasses most people in being radically spiritual. Rebecca... Um, so started her own soul academy. It's a little bit like if you were to go to university and get a PhD in being cosmic, Rebecca is in charge of that. Rebecca is the healer that healers go to for healings. She is next level up. So she created Soul to Soul Dimensional Healing some time ago, which not only encompasses a healing center with different sort of modalities and sessions that she does in person, but you can also, if you're listening in America, if you're listening in New Zealand, if you're listening in Portugal, Rebecca can handle you over Skype or phone, and she is just as powerful, even if it's across the technology bridge. Um, but Rebecca has also channeled and downloaded a number of courses, you know, ebooks, all kinds of written material, channeled material, amazing newsletters, amazing forecasts that she does. You definitely want to be on her email chain because she just brings through the most incredible updates about the energies of where the where the world and the collective consciousness is um, at a soul level and what's playing out energetically. She has incredible, unique perception that you are not hearing from any of the other major spiritual leaders at this time. And I can say that unabashedly, can't I, Jane? Yeah, absolutely. I don't care about Hay House. I don't care about who you're seeing as, as the celebrities out there. Rebecca is delivering cutting edge information. And to that extent, we call her a visionary. You know, she is something of a new thought leader in this regard. And that is why we wanted to get her for an extended show today to really go into some spiritual concepts at quite a lot of depth. So rather than listening to my voice any longer, let's throw us, throw her, throw, throw it across to Rebecca, who's sitting here giggling <laughs> on Skype. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. And welcome to our show. Um, Thanks so much. Jane, well, look, we'll have you anytime and again, and we may need to because, as we've already said before the show, we don't think we're going to cover off on everything Jane and I would love to talk to you about today. Um, there's so much we want to talk about today. I'm going to throw to Jane to kick off with the very first question. What I'm really fascinated by is the beautiful work that you've been doing around empath. And because so many of our listeners are HSPs, highly sensitive people, Many, if not all of them, would also identify with being an empath. So I wondered if you can share a little about what, you're, what you understand, what you know, maybe some tips and tools to help empaths in their journey. Certainly. I just wanted to do a bit of a shout-out to all those beautiful people in your tribe that I've connected with before or even in other lifetimes, I'm sure, I've connected. I definitely feel at home with mm. your tribe, so to speak, so I'm really happy to be here today. And, um, you know, a lot of the 
information and words that I bring through today, um, I like to try and just really bring it through in the moment. So um, I'm really, you know, I feel connected to everyone. I, you know, we say prayers and so forth beforehand. So we're really hoping to deliver exactly what you need today. And um, and through the words that come through, there's actually a lot of energy. And I'm sure that's why a lot of you are drawn to listen to these amazing um podcasts with Jane and Rebecca that I refer my clients to as well and um, because there's so much beautiful energy that comes through. So I'm really excited to be mm, here. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway, the empath stuff, I'm really excited about it because to be honest, what came through as I was putting together a course was far beyond what I ever imagined. And that's what often happens with me. It's um, in the process of the healing, in the process of the teaching, all this new stuff comes in because, uh, you know, I'm an open channel. And, um, and so for many years, I'm an empath, of course, and I started my journey and I look back at some of the bad habits that I had, particularly smoking. I was a smoker for 15 years. And so I really know that that was part of, like, literally my smokescreen to the world. And um, and so as I started to obviously journey and, and work out my sensitivity, when the time was right, I gave up smoking. So, um, and obviously there's more than one reason for people smoking. So, um, you know, it's not always as simple as that. But, yeah, that's one of the examples. So... You know, um, people are empaths their whole lives, okay? And you talked about the term HSP and um, or highly sensitive person and really I've seen that the term empath and HSP are very much aligned, that the HSP is probably more for people who are, you know, just opening into that psychologically, mental, emotional phase and the empaths probably a, a more well-known term in spiritual terms. So it's adding that spiritual element but I think really you could probably put the terms together it just depends on what you're comfortable with there's no right or wrong with that so really um you know I went through my journey and many of you might have tried lots of things around looking after your empathy and I certainly did so tried the bubbles of light the shields of protection and all of that type of thing which definitely helped but they never got me to a sustained um sustained place of holding my light. Rebecca, are you talking about the fact that empaths and highly sensitive people are commonly drained just by stepping out their front door or by working with clients as you might have been? You would, what, what were you feeling? Overwhelmed? Bombarded? What was going on? I call it the overwhelmed empath. So often for me, a lot of anxiety, that's one of the top symptoms. So anyone that comes in to see me you know, via Skype or via um, phone or in person, if they're having anxiety, nine times out of ten, they're an empath. Probably ten times out of ten, to be honest. But we'll just we, we don't want to bucket everyone into the same category. So, largely, they're an empath. Um, often, fatigue for me, fatigue's been a big one as well, and adrenal fatigue because you're just constantly bombarded from the outside world, from um, other people's thoughts other people's emotions, environments. You can walk into an environment and maybe there's been an argument before and the energy of that argument's just in that space. Or it could even be historically, maybe there was a battle in that area like, you know, a thousand years ago and the energy's still there and you might be picking that up. So we're really like a really big open, well, like a sponge, really open, porous. 
and energy just pours into us. So if we don't manage that, we just get filled up with muck. And in um, the empath course that I put together, the number one, I say, sort of top issue for empaths is they do not know who they are. What does that mean? Well, they're so bombarded and filled up with other people's energy, they do not have a sense of their own energy. And this makes it very hard for them to step into their um, purpose, contribution, whatever, and just just being happy and being themselves. One of the things that I know a lot of empaths ask me is, how do you know when it's your stuff or how do you know when it's their stuff, somebody else's stuff? How can you differentiate between, am I feeling this because this is my emotions or am I feeling this because I've just drained, I've just taken on the other person's energy and emotion? The key thing is with all of this intuitive work and it's things that we haven't trained with is understanding and being able to feel different vibrations that takes practice or re-remembering re-opening because it's all a natural skill it does it's not a special gift everyone has the ability to discern different energies um and so that comes with a bit of practice so you do need to start to you know, look after yourself and so forth. But the other thing is often when, um, you know, people come and see me, they say, I feel really great afterwards because they're sitting 100% in their own energy and often they've never felt it before. So the more that you sit in your own energy by doing the techniques, you know, I say every day, doing the techniques, um, that, and in my course I've got, you know, certain techniques that I recommend, then you get the feel of your own energy so once you um you know really feel that and sort of anchor that feeling become comfortable with that feeling then of course you very easily know when something let's call it foreign comes into your field so it's really important to get to know your own energy now if you're busy running around doing a million things a day you know um, Deepak Chopra says we have 60,000 thoughts in a day then you might be going, you know, working nine or ten hours a day and then you're running home to do all your chores and errands with the family and then you collapse into bed at 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. Where's that space to get to know your own energy? There's no space there. So I, I will often suggest that people really need to have alone time and that yes. means, you know, nobody else in their vicinity, even their own family. Mm. So, for example, both my girls that are empaths, I'm quite happy for them to go into, I call it their girl caves, their teenagers. Yes. Go into your girl cave and have your alone time and be in your own energy and space without anybody else in there. Do you think that is something that is really crucial is to have alone time? Definitely. That's part of my, I call it the Empath Care Program. Is oh, I like that course. name. That's good. <laughs> my courses are very practical because I believe that I often talk about practical spirituality. Like we're not in, you know, a monastery or a temple secluded away from society it has to work in everyday life so I've got a bit of a schedule you know and part of it is empath I call it empath downtime or processing time but I just want to share something that's popping in is when I really first started doing the empath stuff that I channeled through last year so there's a particular process which is about holding your light and I want to speak to that in a moment but I did it for the first time really thoroughly it's a really thorough process and um before I went to sleep. So I'd actually do it every morning and every night. The next day, my husband, obviously who I sleep next to, he woke up and he was sick. Oh. And I was like, whoa. And I realized that obviously while we're sleeping and lying next to each other, I was absorbing his negative energy. 
and it was just part of often people that are empaths and particularly family and women will do that because we think that's caring. And the funny thing is that, you know, he probably had to deal with some stuff initially, but since then he's actually expanded and taken more responsibility for himself and his vibration by me not absorbing his negative energy because he had to almost go down a little bit and sit in his own crap. <laughs> Sorry, are we allowed to say that? Oh, <laughs> yes, we do. You have no idea. <laughs> um, and then he obviously didn't feel so good and I've seen him take more responsibility through a healthier eating, um, less alcohol, just, you know, more nourishment really for himself on all levels and um, even talking about, like, meditating and stuff like that. So, And my husband's a, you know, a um, tradesman, a bricklayer, man's man. <laughs> I love this. So really yeah, we so, think we're being kind in, in taking other people's stuff, but the reality is, of course, we're stopping them on their own individual journey and path. From expanding. But there's yeah. just another reason to put yourself first and everybody else next. Mm. And, and that's – oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no, you continue that thought. I was just going to say um, often when we first discover or not realise that we're an empath, we're always, we protect, protect or do all the processes when we go into the outside world, to work, to the shopping centre, to the sports games and so forth. But actually I say to people, look at your own home. Look at the people who you are closest to because often there's deep connections, their deep sense of responsibility, mothers and children, of course, husbands and wives, and all of them, um, parents, like elderly parents, there's a big theme of that at the moment. I've noticed people, you know, um, taking on too much responsibility for their elderly parents and um, energetically, and so often they're the worst culprits, so to speak, and people forget to look there. So I'd really recommend that. Rebecca, from a spiritual point of view, what do you think empath is all about down here on earth? Because not everybody is, obviously, right? No. And it's interesting because in my course that I've written, and it's an online sort of course, um, I thank all the beautiful people, clients, you know, and colleagues and all the people that are empaths that have taught me so much. But I also thank the non-empaths, particularly my husband. (laughs) He has shown me so much about what an empath is not so I could understand it more deeply. So, for instance... Um, when we um, go on holidays with um, the family, the extended family, I just cannot stay in the same room or apartment as everybody else. That's, that's me. I'm the same. Yep. Be yep. around lots of people because we're absorbing all of their energy. Mm. I've had my and own space just, to run I away to. I'm not staying with everybody mm. else. And we, we, we used to get into quite a bit of a tiff about it, to be honest, um, because he just wouldn't understand he, because he's not an empath. And then I realised after some time, I'm like, yeah, but he, that's not his, he's not that person. He's not that um, energy profile, you could say. And so he didn't get it. So, but I had to teach him and help him understand my, the way I work, which is, this is why we're all here. And this is what I was amazed with as I was, all the empath course came together, was that empaths are here to really, we are the new humans. So... You know, I know you've talked about the shift in consciousness and so forth, so there is that massive shift going on and we're moving into a new earth energy. Empaths are, have an energy field. Our, en, en, uh, our energy field is different, okay, and we are designed to connect. So our energy field is very open. Now, the world at the moment is based in separation consciousness. 
our energy fields are based in connection consciousness, the new earth energy. So you can see it's been a bit of a tough time for us. It has. Um, oh, it has. <laughs> learning to work with that. Yeah, because we've been open books in this world where everyone's separate and there's a lot of fear and density, so to speak. So the thing mm. is um, to really understand that it's a gift. Like you're here to be the new human and that's the very first module in my course because I noticed that out there a lot of the teachings were fear-based. A lot, a lot of things say it's a curse and you've got to learn to manage it. No, <laughs> it's a, no I, I'm 100% with you that it's a gift. Yeah, and it's a and gift. I think in 170 or however many podcasts we've done, I think I've probably said it on 100 of them because <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah. And uh, and I really feel blessed that both of my children have this gift. Excellent. Whereas when I first identified it in my now 16-year-old, when she was around three or four, I was horrified. I went, oh, no, that's the one thing I didn't want her to get from me. Yeah. But yeah. then, of course, we learn, we grow, and we realise <laughs> it actually is an amazing gift. Mm. So I love that you do that because yeah. we need the world to be really, we need all of our empaths to be embracing their gifts and to be standing in full power to be getting their their messages out there. Yes. And, and yes. Uh, yeah, healing and teaching and leading. and mm. The other thing that I've noticed is um, what came through with the course that I've put together is it's all about holding your light. So a lot of the time um, they've shown me, and it's where, we, where the consciousness is at, so it's no right or wrong or judgment or anything like that, but a lot of the older courses, the earlier information that came out was fear-based and still in that fear separation consciousness. So they're always talking about, oh, I'm getting attacked all the time, protect yourself from psychic attack and all of that type of thing. Like, you, you know, it is that bombardment. But what it's all about is operating through a love, a love basis, not an, and through wholeness. So I talk about holding our light. We don't actually need to call on any outside protection. What we simply need to be is tune into our light, our essence of who we are, and imagine that expanded through our whole field and imagine that having like a clear definition. You could even say it's like defining your sacred space. Now, there's nothing more powerful in the universe than love. It's the only truth, the only truth. So you can have... You know, we can talk about um, some of the old fear base. You can have entities come in and lost spirits and all of that sort of thing. They can't touch you when you're vibrating pure love. It's interesting to hear you talk about, to touch on this now, because this does segue into the next question. Jay and I have done two episodes of late, one on the old school traditional psychics and the way we used to kind of look at stuff and a lot of that fear-based fear-mongering that you're referring to. Secondly, I know that you and I had a conversation on the phone maybe two or three months ago about the breakdown of spiritual dogma and the collapse of the guru culture, which we also did a show on, but I'd love you to extrapolate on that a little bit today. And there's been Something that's been challenging me a lot as a practitioner lately, Rebecca, and I would love to hear you further articulate this because I know that you can brilliantly, is that for a long time and because of off the back of Abraham Hicks, so many of us have used that paradigm or that, that model, that spiritual model when we're working with clients, which is about you attracting in, you know, there's a part of yourself that's still wounded. So the part of yourself that, you know, that, that's what shows up in the world. And so somebody comes in who's a toxic person or you attract an illness or you attract something in a car crash or whatever it is in your life. And it's that idea that you created that. 
But I'm feeling more and more like I'm disempowering people by using that language. I'm feeling like it's almost like putting it on them in a way that's totally unfair. It's like saying, yeah, you, you, you caused that car crash and then just leaving people feeling it's not Abraham, disempowered. It is disempowered. Abraham doesn't quite word it that way. And I think that's part of the problem is that when humans begin to you know, re-communicate his original messages. It's a bit like the Bible, isn't it? It all just gets watered down and goes through different filters and agendas and it doesn't come out sounding quite right. What do you want to say on this enormous topic? What has been coming through me lately, and I know it's going to be a big body of work for me, is the divine human and the new earth. So I might even have a whole separate website on it. I don't know. So Spirit's been feeding through, drip feeding, um wisdom around well what is the new earth what is the new human and one of the key things so I don't know where it sits with you Rebecca because is that all new humans to be sort of you could say aligned with that energy is full responsibility as a co-creator so the reality is that you have created that so, so that does sit right with you? Yes, 100%. They cannot be more clear. I've worked a lot with it this year, um, particularly in the end of last year, on um, clearing the vibration of blame. So the opposite to responsibility is blame, polarity. So they're saying if we're in any sort of blame, then um, we are not taking full responsibility as a co-creator. So you've got people like Michael Brown in New Zealand who does something called the presence process and he he works a lot with people with, you know, unrelenting physical pain and tumours and cancers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, his whole take is forget all of that, just sit with whatever emotion comes up and love it. And it's that simple. It's like Buddha. It's that simple. This is where a lot of, you know, the stuff that's coming through now is are you looking at that and trying to heal it and work with it from the eyes of the ego? or the whole self. So Michael Brown is really talking about, which is a lot of my work now as well, is we always approach everything, every bit of spirituality, every bit of our journey from the whole self, from the divine self. Whereas what that's why, that's why I sort of mentioned the whole thing about spiritual dogma. A lot of the time we've been approaching this journey through the ego. Because it's still being filtered through human minds and, and just yeah. it's like how they always say man makes religion. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So it's all about wholeness now. I've, I've been calling it, I've got an article brewing called The Tale of Two Selves because, like, Tale of Two Cities, because I always loved that book. <laughs> Charles Dickens, I love it. It was Charles Dickens, yes. yeah. yeah. And um, so that just thought popped into me. And I realized that, in a way, we've been approaching enlightenment or ascension, whatever you want to call it, through the mind, ego. Through the mind-ego loop, we're talking about that mind-ego fear loop, which is part of our experience here. The truth is that we're already enlightened, that we're already whole and complete. We've simply forgotten. And the forgetting is in all of those layers of woundings and issues and so forth. So what's really becoming clear to me, um, and this might explain a little bit more with your um, question there as well, is that... The ego cannot love itself. The ego can, did you say? It just broke up a little bit then. Yeah, the ego cannot love itself. Oh, cannot love itself. Yes. 
the only part that can love itself or love the ego is your divine essence, is your whole self. People put lots of words around it. I call it essence. So do you feel it's okay for the higher self to love and accept and honour and respect the role of ego? Yes, 100%. Good. Beautiful. Because the ego fear mind loop is part of our experience of separation. So it is always in fear and separation consciousness, third dimension, because that's its role, to give us the polarity to have our experiences. And that is your definition of ego. For those who are listening or new on their spiritual journey and they say, what does it mean when people always use the word ego? Because it's not the the dictionary definition. In spiritual talk, we have a different definition of what ego actually means. What does it mean, Rebecca? That's a good question. It is the part of us that believes it's separate. Is and, really, that's and the blocks. I think it's like a blocker. It's sort of, um, in, it, it almost like it's got this nasty role to inhibit as much as it can your spiritual growth by yeah, being the little, the keep little voice. Yeah, keep us in fear. A little voice in your head that says, "You just made that up. You didn't really know that. That's not good for you. That's not best for you. Don't do that. Who do you think you are to do that?" Da, 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 da. It's that sort of little devil on the shoulder. Which we just recently recorded a podcast about making friends with fear. And that actually, if people want to, that, that they might want to listen to that in conjunction with this particular topic. Um, so how do we kill the ego? It, well, there's the thing. We stop trying to kill the ego. <laughs> we love the ego. No, we just see it for what it is. So sometimes um, different, you know, teachings will talk about the ego like that little naughty child, you know, and really when we punish that naughty child... There's actually, this is a little bit more advanced for those that are beginners, but when we punish the naughty child, we're actually in super ego. So there's actually a super ego as well. <laughs> and that's the ego of the ego. Is that so, like how we have a higher self or an or, um, or oversoul? All different words for these sorts of concepts. You know, if you've made a mistake and um, that voice comes in and you think it's your higher self going, oh, that wasn't right, a spiritual person wouldn't do that. Um, or you didn't say the right thing there, that you know because a voice that's punishing or judgmental, even though you think it might be your higher self because maybe technically, you know, well, I know there is no right or wrong, but, you know, technically, you know, you might have felt you were wrong in that moment. That is your super ego. It's the ego of the ego, the ego it's the super ego judging the ego. Because the higher self, the place that comes from love, would never come through with a voice of any judgment. It would just come through with a loving warmth and a support. That's right, okay. definitely. So just think of it, the ego like a naughty child. And obviously we know if we keep punishing a naughty child, and I'm not talking about, you know, clear boundaries are really important, but just sort of if you keep you know, abusing, because your ego really abuses you, (laughs) a naughty child, then they're going to get worse, aren't they? Whereas if you love a naughty child, then they're going to um, respond and start to um, get on your team. And we want the ego on our team rather than battling against us. And a great example that I popped in this morning was one of the tools that I know you guys have recommended um, is mirror work. So we've all tried it usually and I highly recommend it. But when I know for me, I stood in front of the mirror and I'd be like, I love and approve of myself and so forth. And the first thing that comes in is, no, you can't do that. No, you're not. You're no good. Stop being silly, you know, and all of those voices. And I listen to them. And really I know now looking back that that was my ego and my super ego judging me. 
Whereas I feel what would be nice with the mirror work is just to take a few moments to breathe into your essence. And this is the key work now. We need to connect with our essence, our wholeness, our divine self. So I can come back to the tale of two selves. We are identifying as our ego. We call ourselves Rebecca, Jane, Rebecca here. And we think of ourselves as this personality, this um, body and all of that type of thing. But actually the consciousness is shifting now. And that's the divine human energies where we are our pure essence in a physical form. So it's about actually starting to transcend the ego personality. So when you do your mirror work, take a few moments to connect with who you really are, the larger self. And that's the part that can love yourself. So for all self-love work, realize that, that the ego cannot love itself, but you have to take some time to open and connect what's already there, but we forget that essence and allow that to be the influencer in your life and to work through you. I can just feel everybody taking a beautiful deep breath and going, ah, that feels so good. I'm free to be me. Yes. And the interesting thing that I say is your essence, your true self, we really access that through the heart and it's a feeling. So everyone's out there going, who am I? It can't be defined with the mind. It's a feeling. So go to your heart, you know, just breathe into that. Have that intent to connect with your essence and it will be so. Oh, I love that. that you do that, the more you remember in everyday life and it comes through more and more. And really when you look at it, look at our journeys, um, that's what we've become, isn't it? We've just embraced more of who we are, our essence. Rebecca, when you mentioned five, ten minutes ago about how we are all enlightened, but there's just been so much forgetting that's gone on for so long. I mean, with with your channeling and remembering past life work, etc., that you've done with the, the ancient world, and you know, back in the times when there were the sacred mystery cults, the temples, the whatever the Egyptians were up to, whatever the Babylonians were up to, all of the the indigenous tribes, etc., etc. Do you feel that in the ancient world or in those dimensions, in those times, we really did know it all and have it all? Were we enlightened and somehow we lost it? I've done a lot of work in Atlantis and Lemuria and cleared a lot, a lot, a lot of past lives around that because we've had a collective Atlantean wounding that we needed to work through. That's largely been done. Um, my feeling is, yes, we were Um, very enlightened in those times. I'm still sitting with how enlightened we were. (laughs) I don't want to go into too much detail here because I don't want to confuse anyone, but often with Atlantis they say that we were our fifth dimensional selves, our soul selves in a physical body, and we're very connected with spirit. My feeling now, and this is just what's been coming through my channel, is actually the divine human is more than that. We are our full God presence in a physical body. And my feeling is I'm not sure if the Atlanteans were, but I I haven't sat and explored it too Mm. much yet, but that's I just had this awareness not so long ago. I'm like, oh, and the spirit told me this is the first time. So the new earth, new human, it's the first time it's been done before on So earth. when people bandy around the term now, fifth dimension, or there's so many different That's right. terms for it, interchangeable terms for it. So you feel that fifth dimension is what you just defined being a spiritual, your spiritual soul in a human body, but you're saying it's actually something different than that right now. Yes. So 
there's higher self and soul. They're sort of the same terms, okay? And that's our fifth dimension of self. But remember, our soul is still a construct. So the essence of the divine source energy doesn't have any form to it. Our gifts, our talents, our identity, everything in this life that we term soul is actually still a construct. It's still, at the end of the day, not who we are. Oh, it's deep, isn't it? No, very deep. I'm going, oh, 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 this is like, you know, five PhDs later. (laughs) Wow. That's the funny thing. That's what's coming up in in the clip work that I'm doing. So people are ready to understand this. And to realise, like it's like at the moment we're stripping down all identity and, you know, this is not everyone, this is obviously when you, when you hit that part of the journey, but stripping down all identity and stripping down all concepts you think you are. So really what you become, your physical vessel, your human form, is a direct conduit for divinity and that's the divine human. And it's awesome. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not saying I'm a divine human, but I definitely have those experiences and feel my divinity flowing through me. And it's effortless, and it doesn't have any attachment to purpose, significance, or anything like that. You're just simply being a divine vehicle and watching where that river flows. And um, I was watching a beautiful, um, what do you call it, enlightened one? I don't know called Muji. Have you heard of Muji? No, no. N-O-O-J-I, and he's an Indian sort of guy, I guess, and he's just a beautiful, pure love in form. And he said the other day, watching YouTube, that we are not living, we are being lived. Yes, the Seth books say something similar, I believe, about the breath is breathed through us. We don't breathe the breath. It, like source or life energy, breathes it through us. Oh, I love so that. So it is a time, um, and this year being a planetary year number nine, it is a time of completion, of letting go, you know, a bit of a life review. Are you happy with where you're at and so forth in your life? So it's really a good time to really look into your heart, not your mind, look into your heart and really look at what you have created so far in your life and is it what you feel that you want from the heart. And that's one of my other things about spiritual dogma, that a lot of us so far have been creating through ego. And I'll put myself in that bucket too. We've been creating what we think we want through the ego. When really, actually deep down, the the divinity doesn't want or need anything. (laughs) But, you know, there is an expression. We just have to follow that expression here in the moment to moment. And, um, and, starting to really just follow that river of creation through us, whereas the ego thinks, oh, I need lots of money, I need a boyfriend, you know, a partner, I need this. Does your heart really, really need that at this time or is it what you think you need and want? So I'm not saying there's any right or wrong. It doesn't mean you can't get lots of money, you can't have great holidays and have your partner and all of that, but it's like really sitting in the heart. So a perfect example of that was me at the beginning of the year. So obviously I have a sh- you know a lot of workshops and so forth that I teach and every year at the beginning of the year it's just something I do through the mind. I put together my calendar for the whole year and I offer a scholarship and everything. So that's part of the reasons I like to have it all mapped out for the year. And 
So I was a bit delayed this year. Usually I do it at the beginning of January, like New Year's, and I was sort of, you know, dragging my feet with it. Oh, I have to do that. And then I sat down about the three weeks into January and I planned it all out, put it on the website. It was quite like a lot of effort, to be honest. And I went into meltdown about two days later. I went into that overwhelm that you get maybe when you have a really busy time when there's lots of projects going on. And it was the beginning of the year and I've just had four weeks holidays. I was like, this is strange. What's going on? And spirit said to me, we cannot operate in the same way that we always have. That was through the mind, what I thought I should do. And part of that was responding to, oh, clients need to know because they've got to plan their year two and all of that type of thing. So I took myself off on silent retreat, hired an Airbnb, um, about an hour's drive from Sydney. So it was all very simple. I could, you know, buy my groceries on the way and, and sat in my heart for a few days. And that was really fascinating because this year I'm not meant to teach so much. I'm actually meant to be writing and creating new material, especially around that divine human new earth stuff. So it was a really beautiful lesson for me that I've then obviously got the wisdom from that to be able to share with everybody else. And I've seen that, you know, that questions come up a lot for clients. What, what's in your heart to create, not what's in your mind? Mm, lovely. Now you touched, you touched a little bit on um, what's in store for 2016 and you've written an amazing energy report. Can you share a little bit more about what's going to be going on this year? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really exciting because... Everything that we have been sort of, I guess, foreseeing in a way about the shifting consciousness, it is actually happening. Sometimes you think, oh, am I, am I making all this up? Are we going crazy? <laughs> I guess we thought it in 2012 it was going to happen, 2013, 14, etc. So really here we are. It's actually happening. And you can see that. So this year, as I mentioned, is a number nine year um, on, on the planet. So it's really worth asking yourself, what do I need to complete? What do I need to let go of? Also, a key word that came through for me is consolidation. So just like we were talking about before, Rebecca, um, with the full responsibility as a co-creator, you need to, what I've seen is that people need to consolidate healthy habits. And that means mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. So, um, you know, look at what you're doing to nurture yourself. Look at what you're doing to connect with your divinity. Are you making time for meditation? So I saw that, you know, it's really shifting into these healthy habits. Consolidation was a key word. And also community and collaboration. So one of the things that's been happening is obviously um, when you look at the statistics, I don't know who's developed the statistics, but I just know from a lot of the work that I do, a lot of the people really, um, you know, practicing spiritual spirituality are women and often they do it on their own. So they go to meditation groups, they go to psychic circles and so forth, then they go home and they switch it all off. And um, so... I call I those unspiritual moments. Yeah. <laughs> What I feel this year is it's about now getting together in groups and expanding that because if you really think about it, the world's not going to change if there's just all these isolated people doing the work. It has to come into family. It has to come into schools. And there's definitely, you know, all of that's going on, but it just has to, you know, be ramped up now. So, if you know, I'm in the process of creating a guide, for instance, on how to start a spiritual group at home so you can just get together 
and create a sacred space and share together. Um, one of the things that I run, and it's a movement all over the world, is called Red Tent Women's Circles. I think you've talked no. back on, Bex talked yeah, about yeah. you doing that on, uh, on um, podcasts before. Tell us about Red Tents. Red Tents are fantastic because they happen on the new moon, so it's aligning with the natural rhythms and cycles, and, um, and it's about women coming together, really stripping away again all that um, judgment and competition that can often happen through um, women's circles and just being your true self and being open to share. So we have, you know, there is always sort of a theme depending on where, where the new moon is, which star sign it's in, if it's in Virgo or Aries or whatever, there's different activities. But really the essence of is, is the connection, connecting through the heart and just being nurtured and supported with wherever you are at. So there's no judgment if you come in and you just really feel depressed or you might just feel really happy and joyous to be there. There's no, um, it's totally open with your emotions and we have a sharing circle. We tap into, you know, we might do oracle card readings. Um, my last red tent I wrote at the beginning of the year was all about Divine Mother and we did some sort of, I guess, healing exercises. We did a wonderful exercise actually where um, there's the beautiful self-love cards that I have and they had to pair up. I, I didn't realise this. It all came through moment to moment. They all sat down on their chair before they came in. They had a self-love card. But then they had to read it to, they had to get someone to read it to them until they actually received that, that affirmation, that compliment. I thought it would be a five-minute exercise. It took half an hour. Wow. It that long for people to receive the energy authentically of that beautiful affirmation sort of compliment. Like there are things like you are a divine child, you are beautiful, accept your beauty, I, you know, that type of thing. So it took half an hour. Why is that? I think um, there's a culture with women, obviously there's a lot of work issues and people not seeing their inner beauty. And, um, and so, and you know, there's many issues to it, but yeah, a lot of the time women don't want to, you know, they, they feel not good enough and, and so forth. So they didn't want to receive the compliments. Mm. <laughs> You're helping me do a fantastic a segue. Yeah. This is, um, a, you're making my next tangent easy for me, Rebecca, because <laughs> divine feminine has been bandied around now for a long time. And it's almost become an over, overused term. And the term that's actually become neglected that we actually know very little about is divine masculine, which is, I would argue at the moment, maybe more important really, because there's a lot of lost boys out there 100%. and lost men and Donald Trump, etc. So <laughs> you, you have a, a phrase that you, you call new paradigm relationships, which I believe probably feeds into some of this theory. Can you extrapolate on all of this for our listeners? Sure. Um, every year um, it's part of the energy report, so you can read more about it on the website. But there is a I align with a chakra for each year, and it just sort of moves up the chain, so it's pretty easy to see. But this year is actually the year of the divine masculine, so it's super exciting because, as you said, there hasn't been a lot about the divine masculine. And to be honest, when I first started tuning in, I sort of start getting it ahead of time, so it started coming in last year, the sort of second half of last year. It was like. The spirit said to me, well, you don't know much about the divine masculine because you haven't experienced it. And that's the planet. We haven't experienced really the divine masculine we've, probably since Atlantis. We've been in the shadow side of masculinity, which is 
violence, strength, ego, you know, domination, etc. And I actually read something myself online that I found really quite interesting. This for me just summed it up beautifully. So maybe the analogy will help others. They described um, somebody who's in the light, the light side of their masculinity or in their divine masculine as somebody who would be like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because if you look at Obi-Wan in the Star Wars movies, he has all the power, he has all the strength, he has all the knowledge, but he doesn't just use it. Like, I mean, he doesn't just knock out a football field full of people with one flick of his hand with force. He doesn't just go around wantonly killing or showing off or making a point or making decisions from a lower place. He acts from a place of zen, calm, peace. He really holds that monkish quality about him as an advanced warrior soul, but in the divine masculine. And I really, I really got that. I could see that really clearly. Yeah. That's great because I think at the moment we do need examples because, as we said, we haven't experienced it. So I really like that. Thank you. I'll use that one if that's okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because I've also been um, thinking of examples. Sometimes I give to clients and why so many women have connected with um, Archangel Michael because I feel that he embodies that energy too. So he's really big and strong and a lot of the pictures, you know, they've got him in a six hot six-pack. Yeah, he's got gold hair, a bit like a Fabio, you know. Isn't he? <laughs> so, true. It's true. And, um, but he's very loving gentle, um, powerful, but doesn't misuse the power. And, um, and so, but the beautiful thing is that we're starting to see actual real examples coming up. And the, divine, the key thing is the divine masculine and the divine feminine, they both operate through wholeness. So the divine masculine and the feminine too, but we're not going to talk about that so much, but the divine masculine completely honours, respects and loves the feminine. And that I've actually only just launched, so I'm excited to hear that my timing is right because yes. I just launched uh, three, four, five weeks ago a men's only online course Excellent. about it, it is for single men to attract women, but actually hearing what you're saying, it actually is all about that. And I'm really excited. The timing's right. Yay. <laughs> I'm fascinated. Is Russell Brand an example? I must admit, I haven't seen too much of him. I'm fascinated by him. He's, he's a little he's bit like Jesus crazy. looking. and He's a bit crazy at times, doesn't he? But he's yeah. totally himself, which I love. Um, I, I'd have to, to be honest, I, I couldn't make a call on that right now. I feel like I can't unless I experience more. Mm. An example, um, another example that I can think of that really touched me and, again, just opened my heart so much because I was like, it's here, it's here was, um, it depends on the listeners around the state, but I'm in Sydney, New South Wales, and I've grown up with NRL football. Yes. The rugby league. And so excuse anyone who doesn't follow it, but I can share the example. Last year, um, the team that won the grand final, North Queensland, Jonathan Thurston, he's a pretty famous footballer. They won. It was really exciting. They hadn't won before and all of that type of thing. And so he was, you know, he's a big, beautiful, tough man footballer, you know, and the captain of his team, and so he celebrated probably for about one or two minutes with his team, and oh, cheering, 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 and then he went straight across to his fiancée and little, uh, about two-year-old daughter, and spent at least a few minutes with them, camera was on him the whole time, kissing them, kissing his daughter on the lips, it was so sweet, and um, hugging, you know, kissing and hugging his fiance and just talking to them. He was fully present with them. The cameras were in his face. He didn't even notice that they were there. 
And I was so excited to see that because he was honouring the feminine in his journey and I thought that's the divine masculine in action right there. So what is a new paradigm relationship, Rebecca? Really, um, the old paradigm relationship, I say, is based in unmet need to unmet need. So the two people coming together have woundings that create these unmet needs in them. It's like two inner children having a tantrum in a sandbox, isn't it? (laughs) So something, you know, something within that person attracts you because it's a need that you have within. And sometimes over time, I believe that everyone comes together for a reason. There's always soul lessons there. But over time, that those needs, you might not need that anymore. You might resolve it within yourself. So often, um, you know, for instance, you might be not very good at making decisions. So you attract someone in who's quite a, you know, type A personality and they make all your decisions for you and you, you love that. It balances really well. But perhaps over time you work with that and heal that and you grow and change and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was attracted to them. They're so controlling. And then, of course, the flames start and possibly you might separate. So, But the new paradigm relationships are essence to essence or some people call it I am presence to I am presence, connecting heart to heart in full awareness of who you are so you're identifying with your larger self, seeing each other as whole and complete. So um, in that, I'll share it because it was, it's been coming up in the last couple of weeks, some really good advice for your listeners is to see your partner as whole and complete. If you focus on their ego personality and their uh, wounding, their issues, it's going to expand because that's the law of the laws of the universe. But if you see them as whole and complete, they actually rise to meet that. It's fascinating. It's worked with my husband. For years I've tried to fix him, you know, and, um, and try and get him to do more housework and all of that type of thing and nag, nag, nag. And one day I just dawned on me to see him actually as this beautiful, amazing divine being that he's everything that he needs, has everything there that, you know, um, he has everything there. He's a divine being and it's amazing. And I stopped trying to change or fix him because I stopped seeing his wounding. And he has stepped up to the point that he does things around the house. That was probably one of my biggest issues without being asked. It's just nice. it's like miraculous, isn't it? I actually remember reading a story many years ago as well about um, a woman who used to come to one of those support groups for like alcoholism, domestic violence or something because she was being battered and she would go home and be battered and she'd come back to her little spiritual group and she'd go home and be battered. She'd come back to her little spiritual group. And what she started to do, she I mean, she didn't leave him for whatever reason, but she just started to love him like in the way that you're saying and she just started to just send him unconditional, non-judgmental love. She yeah. healed the entire situation and the marriage and the violence, which sounds preposterous and I almost, almost from a professional point of view wouldn't recommend that as a tool. <laughs> say get out of the house first then worry about love but this woman for whatever reason she was trapped in that situation so she did all that she could and it worked this sort of work is incredibly powerful footnote nobody said it was easy or that it is easy It, it can be incredibly hard Rebecca do you think you need to be able to view yourself as whole and love yourself whole first before you can extend it to another or yeah that's a good idea definitely 
definitely try and always, everything starts from within. So, you know, earlier I was talking about not identifying with your ego anymore, seeing yourself as your whole self. So really our outer world reflects our inner world. So it's important definitely always start with yourself first and then you can ripple that out. And often when you do it within yourself, it ripples out anyway and it's pretty effortless. (laughs) Mm. So always start with yourself first. I mean, there's no point seeing someone else's whole and complete yet if you're in a horrible situation and so forth. Um, but um, also the story that comes to mind is Doreen Virtue tells a story. She's the angel intuitive lady that a lot of yes. people know where she was being mugged. She, she was in L.A. and she got mugged and she knew, she said in that instant that he, he had a gun and he was going to kill her. And so she called on Archangel Michael and she basically sent love, sent unconditional love to this person. And he took a bag and ran away. To have the wits about you to be able to do that level of concentrated spiritual work in a moment of terror is next level, though. That's mastery. That's mastery. It is spiritual mastery. But I think these people, like the story that you mentioned with the battered lady, lady, they're here to show us that, to show us that potential. Mm. That it is possible. We might not be able to do it in those extreme moments, but it doesn't mean that we don't stop trying to do that in everyday life and in, you know, Mm. other challenging moments Mm. in our life. We try our best with it and maybe we will get to that point of mastery like, you know, in um, like those stories that we told. So I think it's always something we should, you know, really be um, mindful of. And that's the other, one of the other themes of this year is all about the mind, divine mind and letting go of that lower mind, that chatter and stepping more into heart consciousness, big, big shift around that this year. I'm excited to receive new wisdom to continue my self-growth. Clearly we could talk to Rebecca for years and years and still never get to the end of the fascination, the fascinating, interesting <laughs> subject matter to be mind. Rebecca, I hope that you've enjoyed yourself today on the show. I have. I could keep talking forever as well. Oh, so. Beautiful <laughs> and such a privilege and an honour. Thank you for your amazing wisdom and beautiful energy. One of the reasons I will often refer people who come to me onto Rebecca next is because, and this is my way of wording it, Rebecca, you might have a different way, but I see that some of the work Rebecca does is very, very next level in that if you're walking around in this lifetime and you've done quite a lot of self-development work or you're quite consciously aware and spiritually plugged in, but there's still something that's just missing that you've never been able to put your finger on. I think that Rebecca is extraordinary in her ability to almost zoom out, as it were, bird's eye view, to really look at your entire soul journey. She can really look at the evolution of where your soul's traveled, where it's from. If you've ever made any sacred oaths or vows or promises in your soul journey that perhaps are working against you now that you've forgotten about that are still holding you back or where you may have had a soul trauma or a soul wound or a soul tear, as we call it, she can go in through, I don't know how she does it grids energy layers levels whatever she fixes stuff at a level that I think is quite complementary to some of the more practical everyday tools people are using like their affirmations their meditation they might be getting muscle testing but to have a clean out at such a deeper almost grid like level I think the two often need to go hand in hand when somebody is really working on a soul wound is that does that sound about right Rebecca Yes, I think so. It, it really, even yesterday, that was one of the questions that I had where people have done quite a bit of work and they can't seem to push past this issue. And I really feel the energies are falling on that now. I feel like um, the word country is so time releases are happening in people's 
souls Ooh. where it's really bringing through the energies to help to get them to resolve, showing up their issues. And I think, um, you know, we do need to go deeper at this time. Mm. So don't be afraid. No. So for those of you who are brave enough to look into your soul wounds at an amazing level, soultosoul.com.au is where you can book online to get a session from anywhere in the world with Rebecca. She is amazing. I've used her, what, seven times more maybe. met you a couple of times. Um, soultosoul.com.au. And, of course, thank you so much for joining us on The Love Life Show where Jane and I are striving to keep delivering the highest quality spiritual content and emotional and relationship content for your lives to help you improve yourselves and hence the world. And if you need any more tools or products or backlog catalog of our shows, please head over to lovelifeshow.com. And until this time next week, have fun putting into practice some of the ideas and techniques that Rebecca Brown has shared with us today. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.